0: Our so many people have these big goals, these big dreams that they're too scared to go after and they go to the grave with them there was many times i wanted to quit i wrecked out of 6 of my first 7 races After each one, I could have easily been like, why am I doing this still? Quit. But I told myself, no, it's going to get better. Went to my fourth race, wrecked again. Now it's going to get better. Got to my fifth, wrecked again. Now it's going to get better. Got to my sixth, wrecked again. You got to begin walking and keep walking and start running. Keep grinding. Even when you trip and fall, you get up and you go. Anytime someone tells you you can't, look the other way and you keep going.
1: welcome visionaries creators innovators entrepreneurs leaders and growth seekers of all types to the passion struck podcast hi i'm john miles a peak performance coach multi-industry ceo navy veteran and entrepreneur on a mission to make passion go viral for millions worldwide and each week i do so by sharing with you an inspirational message and interviewing high achievers from all walks of life to unlock their secrets and lessons becoming passion struck the purpose of our show is to serve you the listener by giving you tips tasks and activities you can use to achieve peak performance and pursue a passion-driven life you have always wanted to have now let's become passion struck welcome to the passion struck podcast in episode 61 and this is a very special one with nascar xfinity driver jesse luigi So excited for you to hear this incredible episode that we have today. And Jesse's is our second episode in the month of September that are featuring veterans who served in the 20 year war on terror. It's our salute to them. If you didn't catch last week's episode, it was with the Blackall Racing Team, a veteran run team with owners, Janet and Tony Blackall. And next week we have some incredible episodes coming up featuring two astronauts, distinguished Naval Academy graduate and the first female Naval Academy graduate to fly in space, Wendy Lawrence, who will discuss her time in the space shuttle program and also her relationship with our other astronaut, Kayla Barron, who is in final preparations for her main voyage to the International Space Station, which will happen in October. And then I have three episodes with former Navy SEALs. The first is with former Navy SEAL Commander Mark Devine, The second is with former Navy SEAL and retired Army Colonel, Dr. Bob Adams. And the third is with retired Navy SEAL, William Branham. Some amazing content, and I hope you get to check all of them out. I did want to recognize an event that happened to me today. I received a call completely out of the blue from a veteran who I had never spoken to before. And he had happened to see a recent episode I did with Dr. Michael Lewis on traumatic brain injury. And he himself is a retired Navy SEAL that is going through some hardships right now because of traumatic brain injury and other trauma. And it's moments like that where I'm so thankful that I started on this journey to create Passion Struck. Its purpose is to reach listeners just like that veteran and give them information that helps change their lives. What we're trying to do with this show is to provide incredible content that helps anyone who's listening improve their life and take it to the next level. I'm gonna start out today's episode with two quotes. The first is from Dale Earnhardt Jr. who said, "'The winner ain't the one with the fastest car, it's the one who refuses to lose.' And the second quote is from Roger Staubach who said, "'I have a lot to learn about NASCAR, but I have learned if you have the right people in the right places doing the right things, you can be successful at whatever you do.' And I picked those because Dale Earnhardt is one of Jesse's inspirations, and Roger Staubach, like Jesse and I, are Naval Academy graduates. And I just really like that quote from Roger a lot. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Jesse. No one has ever tried to enter NASCAR from the Navy until now. Jesse Ouigi is a Naval officer and NASCAR Xfinity driver. He just signed a huge contract with Emmett Smith, who will be his sponsor for next season. He also drives in the Camping World Truck Series. He graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy, where he played Division I-A college football for four years, was commissioned as a surface warfare officer, where he has been on two Arabian golf deployments. Outside of the Navy, Jesse always had a passion for motorsports. In 2015, he made history by becoming the first U.S. Naval officer and Naval Academy graduate to compete in NASCAR. He is a two-time winner of the NASCAR Diverse Driver Award and outside of racing and his time serving the Navy. Jesse has also starred in various TV and online shows, owns his own drag racing event company called the Red List Group, owns a trucking business called JBJE Transportation and an e-sports event company based on sim racing. And in today's episode, we're gonna talk about his journey from the Navy to NASCAR, how the Navy taught him what success looks like, what he learned from playing division one sports, how he has learned that everything he put in the military, he's now putting into his race car, why he put so much effort into achieving his goals and his inspiration for you to do the same, how many times in his initial season he wanted to quit, but instead conquered those obstacles and challenges that came his way and persevered to reaching the second highest level of NASCAR and so much more I know you can't wait to hear this episode so let's become passion struck welcome to this special episode of the passion struck podcast and I am so excited today to have lieutenant commander Jesse Uigi, who is also a NASCAR Xfinity driver thank you Jesse so much for being on the show today Yeah. Thank
0: you so much for having me on the show.
1: Well, we both happen to be Naval Academy grads, and I reached out to you after reading Shipmate magazine, which is our alumni magazine, and seeing this great spread on your story. And having lived myself in Mooresville, North Carolina, in the heart of NASCAR for for many years, um, I just had to do this interview. So what an amazing story of transition for you. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. thank you, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pretty crazy, uh, interesting journey.
1: So like me, you were a Division One athlete at the Naval Academy. I happened to do cross country track and field and then cross country, and you spent all four years as I remember playing on the football team. Can you tell me a little bit of how varsity sports has prepared you not only for your career in the military, but now being a professional athlete? Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, playing varsity sports at the Naval Academy uh, has done a lot for me physically, mentally, spiritually, all of that. It helped me understand key concepts, key things that are, are very, very important towards eating in anything you want to do in life. There was a lot of different virtues, a lot of different things that we learned from our coaches on the football field. One of the biggest lessons I learned, especially at the Naval Academy through our coaches, was our coaches always had this saying. It was a very simple saying. And the saying was, nobody cares. And the reason why they would say that is at the Academy, uh, as you saw, you know, we we're not the biggest team out there. When we're playing against teams like Notre Dame, Ohio State, they typically outsize us. They, they typically have better speed than us. They're stronger. They're all this stuff. Maybe they have, you know, better facilities, whatever it is. They have all this stuff that's quote unquote better. But at the end of the day, um, no one feels sorry for us. Uh, we still have to line up just like they do every single down and fight for that win. And, and what did we do? We beat Notre Dame. Uh, twice while I was at the academy, a team that should should have stomped us every single year. They didn't. And that's because we never felt sorry for ourselves. Even though the other team might have this, might have that, might have these five star recruits, four star recruits, potential NFL players, future NFL stars, whatever it is, it didn't matter. Nobody made excuses for us. We're not going to make excuses for ourselves just because maybe we don't have those same things, those same people. But uh, at the end of the day, our motto was nobody cares. Nobody cares about what we don't have. We still have to line up and go. I took that from when I played football and applied it to everything else I did in life, whether it was you know my career as an officer in the Navy, when I was starting in this whole journey in NASCAR, trying to work my way up the ranks. I didn't have a lot of resources to begin, but guess what? Nobody cares. Nobody feels sorry for me. No one's going to feel sorry for me and, and just push me along. I had to figure it out. And that's what I learned uh, while playing varsity sports at the Naval Academy.
1: Well, that's great. And So as I was uh, looking at some videos on you, I, I myself was not a surface warfare officer, but I spent my fair share of time on a variety of ships while I was in. And I remember hearing you talk about how you were on deployment and you got this vision that you wanted to be in NASCAR. Why NASCAR out of all sports? And can you talk about that epiphany and how it came about?
0: Yeah. So the, the actual original epiphany came about, I would say about seven months prior to my second deployment. And I was sitting in my room in San Diego, um, one night and, uh, I was sitting there, I was thinking of like, what are the different things I want to do post Navy? Where do I want to go? What's my next adventure? I'm a sports guy. I like doing uh, exciting, intense things. You know, what do I want to do? Football was over for me. I wasn't going to play football anymore. I, w- I wasn't a basketball player. I wasn't anything else, but what was I going to do that was going to be fun, fulfilling? and a crazy journey. And I had always liked cars. I had always liked racing. And until that particular point, that was January, 2014. Up until that point, I had been taking my personal cars to local tracks in Southern California doing open track days. And these are track days that anyone can bring their vehicle to the track, do a bunch of sessions, drive as fast as you want on the track, learn how to control your vehicle on the track. It's really, really fun. Well, it got to a point where finally I was like, you know what? I like doing this. I don't want to do it at a low level for the rest of my life. I want to take it to the highest level possible. Why not try to become a professional race car driver? And that is where the journey began. And from there, it was trying to figure out how do I find the resources to make this happen? How do I find the money? How do I find the time? How do I find all this stuff? Because I was still active duty in the Navy. So I, there was a lot of stuff I needed to figure out on timing and resources and all that stuff to make it happen. But that at first, original epiphany happened about yeah, seven months before deployment while on deployment i just kept dreaming about it more and more and more and really really started believing that i was going to actually make this happen and i did (laughs) through a lot of help and a lot of support from a lot of great people
1: well so how do you balance especially when you were on active duty active duty life and being a race car driver because get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with indeed our fantastic partner now back to passion struck you know having having like i said been on ships it's a pretty arduous duty whether you're at sea or it can be even worse when you're getting prepared for deployments and having to do all kinds of upkeep on the ships
0: so for me having to balance active duty life and getting into racing yeah it definitely it's a lot of time management stuff luckily for me When I decided to finally embark on the journey, when I actually started taking the physical steps to make it happen, this began in the beginning of 2015. And at that point I had just come off of deployment and I was transitioning from sea duty to shore duty. So while on shore, I had a lot more free time, especially on the weekends. If I would have tried to embark on this journey while still being on the ships, it would have been really, really difficult because you don't know your underway schedules. You don't know when you're going to be away and back, away and back. You don't know if you're going to have these inspections coming up, how much time it's going to take to get through the inspections. All that stuff. So for me, I had to embark on it after I came back from my second deployment, and after I transitioned from uh, sea duty to shore. And once I did that, then I knew that okay, you know, for the most part, majority of my weekends are going to be free. So when I embark on this racing journey, I'm going to work my normal Navy job Monday through Friday, you know, eight a.m. to five p.m. each day, and then on the weekends I'll go racing. And I would fly out Friday evening to the tracks that I was going to race at, um, race on Saturday, fly back Sunday, go back to work on Monday, and that's what I did. You know, multiple. Multiple, multiple weeks throughout the year, and uh, some some weeks harder than others. But I did what I could where when I can or when I could. And uh, what I also did too was you know sometimes uh, there would be certain events or things I needed to go to that was during the week. I just have to take leave to make that happen.
1: Okay, and one of the inspirations I read about that you have, and I, I think we chatted about a little bit is Dale Earnhardt Jr. And I mentioned to you I've met uh, I've met him numerous times, um, mostly at the Waffle House. <laughs> at night. <laughs> um, but my, my neighbor, Pete, when we lived in Mooresville was his agent. And so I got to meet him a few times through that, but uh, probably spent the most time with Jimmy Johnson because I worked for Lowe's and he was our driver for so many years. But having someone like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and his lineage in racing, how monumental has that been for you and getting where you are now.
0: Dale's always been a really cool guy, um, very um, informative. He's passed on some good knowledge to me, really nice guy, just down to earth. Someone like that who um, has a ton of media attention, all that popularity, all that stuff, for him to still be um, really reachable and down to earth, it has always been something cool to me. And I've always wanted to kind of be that type of person. Where no matter how much fame, no matter how much celebrity, whatever I get, I always want to be somebody who was still just a normal person. And he is definitely somebody who who embodies that, who continues to stay grounded. And I, I like that a lot. So I try to learn what I can from him when I can. He's a super awesome guy. Uh he's done a lot, you know, obviously done great on the track, done done great off the track, and um, you know, just someone that you just want to know. <laughs>
1: Well, definitely. And I, and I will tell you, there are some very approachable uh, drivers. One of the most approachable I, I knew back in the day was Matt Kenseth because we went to church together. And I just loved how he would show up with his whole family and he would be present in doing whatever he was doing. And like you said, just totally normal person outside of the, the race car. Well, one of the things I wanted to get into is that you main not be familiar with this study that was done by Gallup. But in 2019, they actually surveyed the 1 billion full-time workers around the world and found out that only 15% of them are engaged at what they're doing. Said otherwise, it means 85% of the world's 1 billion full-time workers aren't fulfilled in what they're doing. And that's a big reason for why I started PassionStruck, because to me, it all starts with making a choice which you had to do as well. And I was hoping for the listeners and watchers, you can talk about how did you come about making that choice and what were some of the difficult things you had to go through when you were trying to make it?
0: Many, many difficult choices. When you're going on any journey in life, uh, when you're trying to accomplish something bigger than where you're at, you know you're gonna. There's a lot of sacrifices that will have to be made. For me, I was used to just doing my normal day job, coming home, relax, you know, eating food or working out, eating, relaxing, maybe watching some TV, watching a bunch of YouTube videos. Whatever it is, that's like what I would do, like on a daily basis. And then on the weekends, go party all the time, like every weekend, Friday, Saturday, all the time. And then when I wanted to embark on this crazy journey, becoming a NASCAR driver, I knew that if I was going to elevate my life and I was going to, if I was going to try to achieve something I've never achieved, I was going to have to do things I've never done. And one of the things was sacrifice basically all the Fun stuff <laughs> that I was doing uh, outside of the Navy. So um, you know, I got rid of all that stuff. I you know stopped going out and partying. I, I stopped just watching TV and doing all that stuff. I basically come home uh, from my Navy job and lock myself in my room and work on me. I would I would I would do a lot of research on how to gain sponsorships. I uh, would train on my racing simulator. I would network with people jump on different calls to try to um, you know speak to different business owners to see you know if I can maybe pitch them on a potential uh, sponsorship ideas all these different things I was doing every single evening I um, spending you know six hours of my evening every day working on this stuff but these are the sacrifices I had to had to take had to make uh, just so I could become who I wanted to become and achieve what I wanted to achieve. Uh, it takes these sacrifices. These are the things you're going to have to do to get anywhere in life. Uh, you initially got to have your vision, clearly seeing yourself become what you're supposed to become. And then from there is daily action. I took daily action just to make this happen. I had faith throughout the journey because throughout the journey, it, it will be dark, very, very dark. When you're going through the tunnel of life, before right before you even get to the end goal at the end, that light at the end of the tunnel, you don't even see it it's still pitch black even if you're a few inches away from the end of the tunnel it's still pitch black and you have to have faith that you're going to get to the end and then, while doing all this stuff one thing that was very important was along the way a lot of people will reach out for help because maybe they're inspired by your journey or what you're trying to do i've always tried to do my best to uh, help others who are trying to achieve their goals too because if you help them achieve their dreams your dreams will come true too and i believe i've gotten to where i've gotten to just because. I've been able to grind every single day, and then also I've done my best to help others achieve their dreams too.
1: Did you know that Forbes Magazine recently cited that 70% of individuals who do personal development, masterminds, and one-on-one coaching benefited from better work performance, increased communication skills, and overall better relationships. And we at PassionStruck are obsessed with self-development, coaching, and mentorship. That is why we've created a free resource to help you unlock your hidden potential. Because people doing great things in business and life are just like you, only they've had a coach along the way. And we've got that covered too. Let us show you the systems and frameworks that we teach growth-minded individuals to help them step into their sharp edges, execute on their passion journeys, and get predictable results Time and time again, go to passionstruck.com slash coaching right now, and let's get igniting. I think there's two things there I wanted to focus on. One is the motto for this show is make a choice, work hard and step into your sharp edges, which means every single day you've got to do something that scares you or puts you in an uncomfortable position, which it sounds like you've done those three steps because oftentimes people may make the choice they want to do something, but they don't do the daily work that it takes to get to where they need to go. And I call it, you know, activity stacking, because it doesn't have to be each day a monumental leap. But all you need to do is make a leap. And when you start building upon those, over time, those small progressions that you make turn into those monumental steps that you want to take in your career. And the other thing um, I heard you say in that is the philosophy of I can, because I think so many people out there, when they get these life-changing opportunities, they haven't done the work necessary that gives them the confidence that when that opportunity presents itself, they say yes, when we all have this inclination to, to maybe say no, because it's uncomfortable. So how did you, how do you propel yourself because saying yes to the Naval Academy was was a choice. You know, saying yes and deploying the Persian Gulf a couple times is a choice. How do you continue to have this attitude that you, you say yes to things that are presented to you instead of saying no to them?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it can be very interesting. When you're going through your journey in life, when you're fully focused on achieving whatever that goal is, you're going to have different opportunities that get presented to you. And some are, some are good. Some are bad, but you got to be willing. I always tell people, you got to be willing to take the trip, right? And when I say take the trip, even though there isn't any guarantee that by you going to this networking conference or by you going and having this meeting with this person that potentially could help you in your journey, even though there's no guarantee, just take the trip because you never know. Uh, It might work out, it might not, but just because you put the energy towards something that could potentially push you forward in your journey, just taking that risk, it's like you're, you're 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 like adding to your savings jar. You're just adding every single time, and eventually it's gonna fill up, and you're gonna have enough resources to make it happen. But life does reward those who are putting energy towards uh, their goal on a daily basis, especially when you're putting risky energy, where you're, you're taking risk and you're taking leaps of faith. Life rewards that stuff, even if it doesn't work out at that moment. So that's why uh, you know I say I say yes to a lot of different things, and and. But then it gets to a point too. You got to taper back because you can only do so much in 24 hours each day. So then you, when a lot of opportunities start presenting themselves, then you got to really simmer down and be like, okay, what, which one of these opportunities are actually going to make sense? Are going to be quality opportunities? Because the quantity of those opportunities will eventually start coming, especially when you're putting a ton of energy towards something. I just got to find out which ones are quality, so that you stop just making movement and you start making. Progress. And that's a big part of it. But yeah, like you mentioned with the I can thing, there's two types of people in this world. There's people who say I can, and there's people who say I can't. And both of them are usually right. So it's all a mindset thing. How are you going to set your mind up? Are you going to be that I can? Like somebody says, hey, you know, this is impossible. Be like, it's not, I can. Even though it looks impossible, you just go try. You, you probably will make it happen. But if you tell yourself you can't, your mind immediately shuts off all possibilities, all thought processes that could potentially figure out the issue.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And and as I'm sure you have been on this journey, there have been people who have told you, this is such a crazy idea. How could you possibly ever do this? Giving you that negativity. How do you overcome those doubters, especially in the early days when I know you wrecked um, a number of times during your first races, how did you get over those periods where many people would have just given up? I'm sure you were hearing it from all sides, yet you persevered through it. How did you muster the courage and strength to do that?
0: I never let anyone's opinion of me become my reality. That was the biggest thing. And I, I heard that quote from a fellow named Les Brown. He said that you know someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, that is powerful. That's how you say yes to yourself. People are going to doubt you. People are going to say that you can't do this based off of their interpretation of you or what they you know, think your talent level is, your skill level, your resource level, whatever it is. People will form their own opinions. But you don't have to let their opinions of you become your own reality. Only your opinion of yourself matters. Only you saw the vision, seeing yourself where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to become. Who you're supposed to be? Only you saw it. God gave us each individual visions of where we're supposed to be in life, and guess what? He didn't give it to anybody else. He didn't give you my vision. He didn't give me your vision. So I can't even see your vision for myself, but I can see my vision for myself. And because I can see it, that means I can go achieve it. And and if you can keep that in mind, anybody out there looking to accomplish big goals and dreams, just keep in mind you were the only one given that vision, so nobody else has any kind of right. Or any kind of say so or any kind of validity to ever tell you or doubt your vision. Now people can doubt your effort, but they can't doubt your vision. Like when your vision comes, guess what? That means it is something that is achievable by you. Now, if your effort's not there, people can doubt that all day. You know, you can have the vision and not give the effort. Well, you can get that doubted all day, but if you have a vision that can't be doubted, that's something that's achievable. You put the right effort and make it happen.
1: And that leads into, I have this philosophy I call the mosquito principle, and you've touched on a number of aspects of it, but it's oftentimes we find this passion that we're going after, but we let those negative influences, whether it be people telling you you can't do it, going to the bar or other things, get in your way. And and that's why I say you have to conduct A mosquito audit of your life and get rid of what i call the pain in the asses the invisible suffocators and the blood suckers because those influences and people will profoundly keep you from achieving what you need to achieve and want to achieve in life and i think you summed it up so well both at the beginning of this interview and and just what you said right there so it sounds like that's exactly what you had to do in your own life is to conduct that audit and get rid of those things that were holding you back from where you wanted to go. It's not an easy thing to do.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. It's not easy at all. And, and you hit it right on on the head. You got the circle around you, the people around you, you're going to have to be very careful on who's around you and what information is, is getting into your head. Sometimes when you're going on a journey in life, um, you're going to have to get rid of all the negativity, the people who are speaking negative words into your mind. You got to get rid of them. Sometimes it's family, sometimes it's friends, it's, it's coworkers, whatever it is. You got to get them out of your circle. I'm not saying you can't be nice to them. You can still be nice to them, but you don't have to let them be the regular voices that come into your head. For me, what I did was, like I told you before, when I basically lock myself in my room and work on me, I stopped talking to a whole bunch of people who were my friends and all that stuff. I stopped talking to a lot of people. All I did was listen to like two or three different motivational speakers every day. So while I was working in my room on doing some research on potential sponsorships, racing on my racing simulator, training myself how to drive a race car, working on different presentations on my computer, while I was doing that for about five, six, seven hours an evening. I would have these motivational speakers on my phone just speaking. There's motivation uh, into the air from my phone or computer or wherever all evening long. And these are the voices I heard every single day for multiple years. And when you do that, and these are now the voices, these voices of of encouragement, motivation, and and great philosophy, when this is coming into your head on a daily basis, there's nothing you can do but change. You change it to someone who now believes that you can do anything. And that's what happened to me. It it changed me. But uh, it took like two or so, two and a half years of doing that (laughs) to get me into the right position.
1: Well, I mean, it's a perfect lead into the law of attraction. And what you bring into your life and put out, you're going to attract. So what you think um, about, you bring about. Exactly. Now, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is I have not had the opportunity to be behind the the steering wheel like you have. I have done the Richard Petty experience and uh, here in St. Petersburg, Florida, have a IndyCar race and I got to sit behind a driver. But I don't think until you do either one of those things, you realize just how fast and how tricky it is to, to drive a race car. And so I brought up to you before we talked, this concept that you have to have optimal anxiety. And I can think of no better place to need that than being a direct race car driver. Because if you have too little anxiety, you're not going to give it your all. But if you have too much anxiety, you know, I would think that's when it's going to cause you to make that mistake or do or do something that um, isn't going to lead you to having a successful outcome. So how do you achieve that optimal anxiety as a driver?
0: Yeah, it's tough. It's a balance you got to have because you got to be on edge. And and I think that's what it takes as a driver. You have to be on edge with the race car. Uh, you got to find that edge where the car is not completely spinning out, but it's on edge where at any given moment it could, but you're so in control. You're in control of keeping it on that edge that you don't let it spin out but then you're not driving it too slow. And that's the tough part about being a driver is finding that optimal anxiety, which is basically being on edge. You're, you're literally on the edge without going off the edge. You're out of control. You're in control of being out of control. Uh, it, it's a tough part. And the best drivers are able to do it the best. Good drivers are able to do it sometimes. You know, I'm always learning and trying to find ways where I can continue to do that. But it takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of energy. But it's, uh, it's definitely possible.
1: That's great feedback. One of the things I always ask Naval Academy graduates when I have them on this show is one of my favorite things when I was a mid was getting to watch a forestall lecture. And I wanted to ask you if you were invited to the Naval Academy to give forestall lecture to the midshipmen, what would it be on? If I was invited to do
0: a forestall lecture, I would title it as uh, what you think about, you bring about that's what I would title it as. And it would basically be very kind of law of attraction type lecture where I would just kind of talk to people about mindset and how mindset is going to be what allows you to achieve all the great things that you're going to be able to achieve in life. Because everyone who gets there to the academy has a ton of potential to do amazing things in life. And most do. You know, some go off and just live normal lives, some some to some people don't, some people end up falling into some pitfalls and things happen. And then others, you know, go off and achieve great things. But I would like to kind of help people unlock their potential with the speech and just really, you know, showcase them through my life stories and other people's life stories that I've I've seen and this different philosophies of of stuff to help them unlock their mind to understand that, hey, what you think about, you bring about your minds are very powerful. You're already in a place where you're showing that you have the potential to be amazing. Unlock your mind and and use all your potential and be the best as you can be. Well,
1: well, Jesse, thank you so much for this interview. I know we're running up against the clock. And uh, one last question I had for you is, you have a goal of making it to uh, to the highest level of NASCAR. For you, over the next couple of years, what are some of those goals and ambitious tasks that you're putting out there for yourself to get there? For me,
0: it's really working on the training side of it to continue to get more seat time in real uh, race cars and also virtual race cars, also, you know, continuing to do what I can to expand the marketing efforts so that we can get more sponsorship, putting that together between seat time and sponsorship and all that. That's how we're going to be able to make that happen. So that's what I'm working on every single day doing, taking meetings all the time, doing a lot of different things and just saying yes to myself, telling me yes to myself that I can actually make this happen.
1: Well, great. And if the fans out there want to get a hold of you, how can they reach out to you on social media?
0: For any fans looking to reach out to me, just type in my name on any social media platforms uh, Jesse Iwuji. That's uh, J E S S E I W U J I. I'm on all the social platforms uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of them. So people can reach out, send me messages. I answer all my messages. So reach out if you got any questions on anything or want to support.
1: Well, great. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as I like doing it. What an inspirational young man Jesse is. And if you truly love today's episode, it would mean so much if you could forward it to like-minded friends who need a weekly dose of inspiration. And if this episode truly resonated with you, I'd love to hear about it by getting a five-star rating and hearing your comments. Those ratings mean so much to the popularity of our podcast. And if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, It's at John R. Miles, and we have over 160 different videos up there pertaining to various topics, including personal growth, how to achieve peak performance, relationship advice, health and wellness, overcoming adversity, and so much more. And if there's a person that you want to hear me interview or a topic that you would like me to do an episode on, please DM me on Instagram at John R. Miles. Until then, I know you have so many choices of podcasts where you can go, and it means so much to us that you come and listen to this show. Now, I hope you apply it and become passion struck. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral, and we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Passion Struck Podcast on